told you a lot about my story in coming to know Jesus. I haven't told you all of it, but I've, I've told you the just. But when I met Jesus, he immediately set me free from the shackles of my sin. I was steeped in sin. I, I didn't have a little bit. I wasn't kind of a decent person. I was not that. And I've, I've tried to describe it to you without going into greater detail where um, it would feel defiling to me to even explain it. But that is the truth. I came out of a life of, of deep sin and uh, addiction, and the Lord set me free. That night, I received a deliverance. I was set free. And the next day, I was not perfect. I don't claim to be a perfect person. You know that if you come here. But I was, I was never the same. He broke me free from the shackles of my sin. And sin was no longer my Lord and master telling me who I was and what I could do. I met Jesus. And, and here's what I found, that Jesus is not just a perfect savior. He is that, amen. He forgives us of our sin. If you've come to Christ, you had to discover that you're a sinner and that Jesus is a perfect savior. You had to know that. But there's another aspect or many aspects of Jesus. And one thing I want to tell you today is that he is a redeemer. And that means that he has purchased us out of our slavery to sin and selfishness. And he has set our feet on solid ground. And he changes us by giving us a new identity in Christ. That is what Jesus did for us that we could not do for ourselves. He's a redeemer and he's paid for all of our life. He wants us to be free more than we do because he paid for it. Jesus paid for our freedom. Something I've, I've recognized though is that even though I initially got free, I was a different person the next day. That was very apparent. It was clear to the people in my life. It was clear to me. I've also recognized that there were things they were past things that were still speaking to me, past things that were still trying to help me to navigate life, manipulate me, coerce me, bring me back to who I was and not help me in this new life in Christ. I, I can tell you that past things still have a power in our life to try to compel us and coerce us and manipulate us and, and sort of land on us in a way where we don't grow as we've been called to. The Bible says that we are growing in Christ from glory to glory. And Jesus is our trajectory. We're called to be more like him. And that is what this is all about. And, and I've learned that we have to be mindful of the things that will try to hold us back or set us back. When we're set free by Christ, it's not a kind of freedom where we can do whatever we want. It's a kind of freedom where we can do whatever he wants. That's what freedom in Christ is actually about. And I would tell you that all over the Bible, there are these examples where people got touched by God, delivered by God, freed by the Lord, but not all of them was completely free yet. They still had to find in him that unfolding life that he had called them to as they, be, as they got freer and freer to be who he said they were and to do what he said they could do. I mean, a real simple one would be the children of Israel. We all know the story about the Exodus, 400 years of slavery. And finally, toward the end of their bondage, they begin to cry out to God. And by a mighty hand, God delivered them out of their slavery and their captivity. He brings them into the wilderness. The first test was that when the Egyptians started to pursue them and they look back and they're, they're faced with this conundrum and they start to complain and moan and groan and they're telling Moses and Aaron, why did you bring us out here to die? They're gonna kill us. But then God parts the Red Sea and they walk through on dry ground. And the Lord says, you will never see this enemy again. And that is absolutely the truth. But here's what we know. Not many days later, after they got through the Red Sea, 
They go back to their old ways. And here's why. You can be delivered out of slavery and captivity, but that doesn't mean that Egypt and the mindset of a slave had been delivered out of them yet. And God was going to spend 40 years with them in the wilderness to help them understand who he was, who they were, and what life was supposed to be like. Now, here's what we know, and here's the principle, is that we can still be living under a bondage that God has already delivered us from. I'm telling you today that you have a freedom that you're not fully walking in yet. And there is more for us to go after and to receive and to walk in that God has already paid for. And it isn't just about freedom itself. That's not why he set us free. It's freedom so that we can serve him, that we can touch our destiny, that we can do what he wants us to. I was thinking about a scripture in Ephesians chapter two. The apostle Paul said, we are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This means that we all have a calling. We all have good works that he's called us to. We all have freedom to proclaim in Jesus' name. We're not done yet. And sometimes the reason that we're not doing what God has said or what he wants us to do is because there are things in our past that are still having a voice even in our present. They are holding us back from what the Lord wants. And I believe there are times where we need to identify what those things are, appropriate the blood of Jesus, and resolve that we are new in that area and receive the freedom that's available. Jesus paid for it all. And we wanna make sure that we're taking advantage of all of that and not being bound any longer. And the reason that I want to open the Bible to Ephesians chapter four is Paul is addressing the church at Ephesus and he calls them out on all kinds of behavior. There's all kinds of division. There's all kinds of sin, the way they're treating one another. And they've even lost the purpose of the church. Like, why are we even a family? I don't even know if I like you. I don't know that I like you. I mean, this is sort of where they're at in this place of bondage again. And Paul calls them out on this. But what he does really in the midst of that is not just their behavior. He shows them and shares with them that your behavior is coming out of your mentality, and if you knew who you were, you wouldn't behave like this. And that's what he brings them back to. It's what we're going to find here in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. Here's what the Bible says. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, lay aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has a need. 
Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. And here's verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Paul addresses the church in Ephesus, and he really speaks to two things. There's a lot there in this context. There's a lot there in this passage, but there are two things we're going to focus on. The first is he calls them to lay aside their old life. Their old life is the way they used to live when they didn't know Jesus. And he's saying, don't live like somebody who doesn't know Christ. That's your old life. Lay it aside. The second thing he highlights is put on your new life, your new life, which is created in Christ Jesus and looks more and more like him. Lay aside your old life and put on your new life. This is what he tells them in the midst of all their behavioral issues. And it's really profound, and we want to dive deep into this as we think about freedom from our past. How do we really go about this? Well, the first, as I said, is we lay aside our old self. He says to them, you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, in other words, you're not who you were, but you're still living like it and you should move on. He said, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted. And this exhortation here of laying aside and referring to this old person that they once were, he's saying it like this, what often hinders you from living new life is our old life. And what I mean by that is our old mindsets, our old patterns, our old sins, they want to keep cropping back up to control us and compel us down a path that Jesus has delivered us from. But the reality for us is that in order to stay or even start living in the newness of life, we have to stop picking up dead things. You've got to stop picking up dead things. This is why Paul would say again and again, reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God. If you've got a sin problem, if you've got a past problem, if you've got a wound problem, you have to reckon yourself, I am dead to sin. I lay aside my old life because I am new in Christ Jesus. The term here, when he says lay it aside, it's very simple. It's like you're wearing a coat that doesn't fit you anymore and you take that coat off and you throw it aside. Stop wearing it, stop walking in it because it's not who you are. Go ahead and say amen. amen. Take the coat off, don't put it back on. When you're tempted to, say no. This is what he's talking about. But that sounds too simple, doesn't it? Pastor Ben, if it were that easy, I would take the coat off and I would never wear it. I don't even like that coat, Pastor Ben. I don't like that coat. I haven't wore that coat for years. I even went in my closet this morning, friends. I went in my closet today because I thought, surely there's got to be an old coat in my closet that I haven't worn for a long time. And you didn't know this, but years ago, I was about 60 pounds heavier. So I had to get a whole new wardrobe, amen. I was baptized into a whole new body, essentially. And so, I, I mean, literally no clothes would fit except for socks, okay? <laughs> Moisture wicking, dark colored, <laughs> athletic crew socks that you can purchase from Walmart or Fred Myers or whatever store of your choice and drop them off at the info center. 
Shameless plug. <laughs> Worthy cause. I went into my closet and I was looking for an old coat, but praise God, I've gone through that closet too many times. I didn't have anything in there that was that large, but the point is, is take it off. But how do we take off the old life? How do we do that? What does that mean? Well, I've got three things for you to consider what that actually means. The first is we have to acknowledge the power of our past. We have to acknowledge that we were all raised a certain way. The circumstances of life differ in each one of us, and they've affected us. Our close relationships, our consistent influences, all of this has shaped us into the people that we are. And they continue often to have a, a, a present voice, a living voice and if we're not careful, they still have a shaping voice, which is what we want to be free from. And I was thinking about this concept in the Old Covenant. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, there's this passage of Scripture. Moses has raised up a new generation to go into the promised land, and they're just about to go. The last generation were in the wilderness for 40 years, and they did not get to go into the promised land. Their kids get to go. And so Moses in Deuteronomy is giving them the final dissertation. And part of what he's doing is reminding them of what their mothers and fathers were told in the previous section in Exodus. But now they're all, you know, they're no longer. And so this generation needs a reiteration. They need reminders. Deuteronomy chapter five, he goes through the 10 commandments to this next generation. And in there, there's a term and the way that he puts it is using this word iniquity, which is used in the Old Testament. You don't see it in the New Testament, but I, wa I wanted to bring it up for this purpose in acknowledging the power of our past. In Deuteronomy 5.8, he says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Now, their fathers and mothers did. Their fathers and mothers did worship other gods, and they're going into the promised land where there are a lot of other gods, and he's saying, don't do this. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents, or everybody say iniquity. This word sin is not the right word here. In another translation, it says iniquity. The iniquity of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The word iniquity is a word that we use around this concept of generational curses. Now, admittingly, the Pentecostal charismatic church goes crazy with this idea of generational curses. Now, there's some credence to it, but we also know that the blood of Jesus breaks every curse. That amen was not strong enough. Come on, Alex. I see amen. I'm going to start calling some of you out to give a good hearty amen. All right. Working together. But when you read the Old Testament, you find this word iniquity a lot. You just do a quick Bible study. This word like literally means the punishment of sin. And so in this text, what he's saying is, is that as you go into the promised land, if you keep worshiping other gods, false gods like your parents did, I will visit the iniquity, the punishment of that sin on the third and fourth generations. Now park right there. That's kind of a scary concept. Now it does say though, those that love me, I will visit the blessing on a thousand generations. So we see the blessing is more powerful than the curse, which is why some people go too crazy on the curse. They don't realize the other side of the coin. But I'm bringing this up to say this, the word iniquity, literally as a metaphor, it means to be bent. Everybody say bent. It means to be bent. And so this is talking about the iniquity, the, the sin that we commit 
it causes this propensity towards something. And if we're not careful, what it will do is it'll cause our family, it'll cause our children to also have that same propensity. They too will be bent towards this type of sin. Now, sometimes we think that that iniquity is going to just be translated into them as sort of God's curse and punishment. No, no. The reality is, is this, as parents, for those of us that are parents in the room, if we don't deal with our sin, no matter how hard we try to hide it, your kids will always pick up the worst of you. Don't believe anything less. They will pick those things up. Even if they don't know that we're sinning and we have these secrets, like our secret place is full of all kinds of sin, they will still not receive the things that we're called to give them because of the negligence and the bandwidth that we're spending to these other things. We are giving our strength to lesser things. And as a result, our kids aren't getting the blessing of God through our nurturing and care and raising them in the instruction of the Lord. But the iniquity that, we, that God will visit on the fourth generation, up to the fourth generation, it's this propensity, it's this bent towards these things. And you say, well, Pastor Ben, where's that in the Bible? Have you guys ever heard of a guy named David? We often don't talk about David's life. I mean, he was a man after God's own heart. And sometimes we bring up the story with him and Bathsheba, where he committed an egregious sin of adultery and then murder to cover it up. But did you realize that his daughter was raped? I don't know. I'm trying to find a better word if there's kids in the room, but raped by his son. His son raped his daughter, and for two years, David did nothing about it. Finally, his other son, Absalom, he said, my dad didn't do anything about this, so I'm going to do something about it. You know what Absalom did? He killed his brother. And then Absalom was sort of banished from the kingdom, and Joab, David's chief officer, had to bring Absalom, his son, back into the kingdom, but David wouldn't see him. And so a couple years went on, and Absalom finally got angry. Because he did, I'm not saying he should have killed his brother, but he did, because of his father not doing anything about this egregious sin, Absalom did something that he shouldn't have done. In the wake of our indifference, that's sometimes where these types of things happen. I just want you to know that. So Absalom did this, and now he's in the kingdom, but he's mad. And so he goes and burns up Joab's field to get his attention. That's quite a way to get someone's attention, just burn their house down. And Joab comes to him and says, what are you doing? He said, you brought me here, but my father won't see me. And so it ends up that David still won't see Absalom. And you know what happens? He ends up trying to take his kingdom and he sends, Absalom sends David on the run. And that's where you hear all of these Psalms that are written. David writes all these Psalms. He's on the run from his son. People are seeking to take his life, but we never talk about all of the things that led up to Absalom even wanting to do that. My point is, do you see iniquity working in this family? You see sexual sin and you see murder. There's this bentness, this propensity to do that which is wrong. You ever heard of a guy named Solomon? Solomon is the son, the illegitimate son that was born out of adultery. Do you know what his big sin is? It's the very sin that caused him to be born. How many wives does he have? How many concubines does this man have? I mean, you'd think he wouldn't have any time for anything else. I don't understand. 600? I think the biblical writers had to throw out a number because they didn't know. I mean, it's shameful, isn't it? Sh it's shameful. Where did this come from? Was it just because he was sexually sick? It came from his father. Do you see the, connect Do you see the connection? If you go through the Bible, you see these connections that there's generational iniquity. Friends, 
The only way that we break the power of these cycles is acknowledge that there is a power to the sin in our lives and we break it in the name of Jesus. The curses are broken because Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. But let's not fool ourselves and act like those things aren't trying to come and incarcerate us and subject the next generation to the very things that we didn't overcome, even though Jesus gave us the freedom to do so. This is the reality that we face. There is a power to the past, and we've got to acknowledge our weakness if we're going to find strength. I grew up, and in my context, men do not acknowledge weakness. That is the message that I picked up indirectly. Men don't do that. Strong men get over it. Strong men move through it. Strong men need to just work it out and move forward. Well, you know what? There's a lot of strong men that got a lot of secrets in their closet because they've never been honest and dealt with the sin behind closed doors. And it's time for that to stop. It's time for that idea that's causing us to shut the door to the closet and not talk to anybody because we're supposed to appear strong. It's time to us for us to open the closet, turn the light on, and get all that stuff out so that our family can get the blessing of God and do better than we've done. And that's for mothers and fathers. We've got to acknowledge that if we don't deal with our past, our past will deal with us. So when we come to God in our weakness, guess what happens? We find his strength. Paul had to deal with a demonic spirit and he didn't know how. And so he came to the Lord three times. He asked the Lord, take this away, take this away, take this away. And the Lord says, no, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And unless you're willing to be weak and admit the things that you can't defeat and conquer, you're not going to get the power to deal with them. This is why he talks about walk in the light as he is in the light. This is why he talks about us having accountability with one another. If we have fellowship with one another, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all unrighteousness. When we walk with each other in the light, we walk with God, but when we walk with each other in the light, the light increases and darkness cannot remain. What I'm saying is we've got to acknowledge that there is a power to the iniquity and the sin in our lives. And if we don't acknowledge it, we're not going to get free from it. We're not acknowledging that it's more powerful than God's power. We're just saying it has a certain level of power. And I have seen far too many people suppress the things in their life and not deal with them. And as a result, they become bound by them all the while they still love Jesus. I'm not saying they don't love Jesus. I'm just saying it's one thing to love Jesus and walk around with a guilt that you should be doing something you feel that you cannot do because you are someone that you cannot live up to. Jesus paid for that. Amen. There's nothing we can do to pay for that. We've got to receive it from him, but we've got to be courageous enough to do so. The second thing is we've got to identify the wounds of our past. The wounds of our past. Wounds are terrible, traumatic, difficult things that have been done to us or perhaps that we've perpetuated, things we've done. We're talking about abandonment, abuse, physical, verbal, sexual, mental, broken relationships, divorce. Maybe we were kids and our parents got divorced and it's still something that plagues us. Or maybe you've been divorced and it was a terrible divorce. Or it's left you in confusion because there was adultery and sin and you never got a closure or a resolve. And that's become a wound in your life. And as much as you would like to be over that, every now and again, it still speaks to you. Or maybe you've committed abortion. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And you're living with the guilt of that. Friend, you can be forgiven. We just come to Jesus. Amen. We come to Jesus and he cleanses us from the things that we have done. 
But we've also got to identify that these are wounds in our life. I explain this uh, this way. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Our mind is the way we think. Our emotions are the way we feel. And our will is sort of that core of who we are, that decision-making core. We will to do, that, that purpose that we have. Those things are, are the makeup of our soul. But there's another element that we don't talk about until you get into a jam and you realize there's something going on. And that is, I would like to submit to you, there's also events. I believe past events, not like small things, but big things that have happened in our life. I think past events have the power in our soul to dictate or determine how we feel, how we think, and what we do. So I always say our soul does not just mind, will, and emotions. I think past events have a lot of power. And that's why when the Lord comes to us at times and he wants to set us free, he shows us something that has happened. And then he's like, I want you to appropriate my freedom in this area. I want you to take the bookmark out of the story of your life where you stopped so that you can keep going. But I want to bring freedom into that thing that for some reason hasn't been addressed. And it typically is a wound. And here's how you know if you still have a wound, if you still feel the sting. If you still feel the sting of something that has happened to you, the Lord wants to bring more healing into your life. I've told this illustration before, but it's the best one I know. I was working out several years ago and I was doing this god-awful exercise called squats (laughs) that I have been totally delivered from. I was on my third set. I was on my last couple reps. I went down. I did not come back up. And the only thing I can do to describe this to you is it felt like fire went down my midsection. Fire! Feel that for a second. I fell to the ground. I did, and fortunately, there was nobody there with a camera to post it on YouTube because that's what we do today. We go to help you second, but we make sure we get the good footage first, right? Yeah, your expense. All right, anyways... Fortunately, people were working out and they weren't doing that. So anyways, I got, I crawled up off the ground and I ended up finishing up my workout and I was like, wow, for that happening in my body, I sure do feel fine. The next morning I woke up and I turned over to get out of bed and I could not move. My midsection was just, it was like I was a statue. I went, oh, anybody felt that before? For the next six months, I could, it took me six months of recovery to even walk longer than 15 minutes because of, of how painful this was. I went to the doctor, but I'd gone too late because I'm a knucklehead and I always think things are going to get better. So I go to the doctor far too late and they're like, if you would have came to us sooner, we could have helped you. Now we can't. Good luck or whatever, you know, they, they believe in luck. So anyways, <laughs> six months recovery. One day I woke up and I was you know, brushing my teeth, and I remember going about my day, and I realized that I no longer had any pain in, in my abdomen. I, I, I didn't have it anymore. I can remember the pain, and I can describe it to you, and when I tell you about fire in the midsection, some of you are like, oh, you know, you feel it, right? We, I can remember it, I can describe it, but I don't feel it anymore. When we've gone through a wound, an issue of life, we know we're healed when we can describe it, but we no longer feel it. If you still feel it, then God wants to still heal it. And that's the reality of what we're talking about today. I went through uh, such a time in 2020. I was new to our community. I was a year in, um, celebrating a year as me being the pastor here with my family. Uh, Let's just say it wasn't much of a celebration, guys, okay? 
And, uh, and that was a hard year for, for me. It was a hard year for you. And, uh, but, I, but I went through it. And I finally, um, based on a number of interactions and, and things that I went through during that time, like many of us, I remember finally getting to a place where I could acknowledge that I had a serious wound. And at that place, I didn't really know what to do. So I called my friends that were pastors and I said, hey man, I'm going through this. And they're like, I'm going through this too. And I was like, click, I need to find somebody healthy, you know? <laughs> so I called my business, my friends in the business world and they're all going through it too. Yeah, I've lost my business almost. And I'm like, click, I'm sorry, I'll pray for you. But I had to come to a place where I recognized friends that I needed help. And so I reached out, you know, and I've got a good cohort of, of brothers in Christ, and I have for many, many years. I've got real deep accountability, and, and I'm thankful for that, and all of us should have that. If you don't, pray for it. But um, I want to be honest with you today. Regardless of how I got there, I was not okay. By August, September of 2020, if you were here at the church and you remember like Pastor Ben wasn't okay, you're not wrong. I just couldn't change it. You say, well, did you fast and pray? Yeah, I remember fasting. I was on like my fourth day going like, God, please, like just deliver me from this thing. Like I just was feeling a certain way, you know, and, and there was no shortage of advice to tell you what you should do and what you should, how you should think. And like, you know, anyways, uh, that was great. But I didn't need advice. I needed deliverance. I needed healing because I didn't even know why I felt the way I felt. I just knew it was bad and I couldn't get over it. Have you ever gone through something where you felt a certain way and it was troubling your life, but you just couldn't get over it even though you were fasting and praying or you were seeking God? Have you ever been there before? And you're crying out to God and you're like, I'm a, I'm a father and I'm a husband and I'm a leader and I can't be like this. And that, I, that was even more guilt. And praise God, you know, when you seek him, friends, I want you to know he answers you. I want you to hear that today. When we seek God, he hears us and he answers us. If not initially, eventually he will. I remember it was sometime in December of 2020 and I was talking to the Lord again and it's like, Lord, you know, I can't be a pastor and feel this way. I mean, I'm not living in sin. I have no secrets or anything like that, but I just feel this pain and I don't know why and I can't get over it. I felt deeply disrespected. I felt wounded. You know, just imagine, like, I came from a community where everybody knew me. Nobody questioned my integrity. And then I came, and it was like my integrity was being questioned. And even if it wasn't, the enemy was poking at me, like, see, nobody trusts you. You don't have integrity. And I was like, ah. Oh! And I don't know if you relate to this, but when you, the core of who you are and the way you've lived your life all of a sudden comes into question, it's, it's painful. It's, it's just painful. And there's nothing you can do. Just, just get shot. Just go ahead. Just shoot. <laughs> and uh, we can all handle five or six, but not 256. Okay. Fully automatic AK-47. That's a different story. Gosh, you can't even say that anymore, can you? Save the email, please. I don't... <laughs> I'm holding back. All right, um, in December, as I was praying, I was standing up, I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I would like to tell you he, was, he said something more gentle, but he didn't. He said, stop protecting what is dying and stop projecting what is dead. And I had this picture of me like swinging at the air. I wasn't fighting anybody. I was fighting myself. And anybody could have told me that, but I had to have a revelation from God. When he spoke to me, here's what happened. 
I was delivered from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Friend, I want to tell you, I never went back. That feeling that I described to you that I had, it was completely gone. I want to tell you, Jesus delivers you. If you seek God, his name, Yeshua, means he is the deliverer. He will deliver you. If you're stuck right now, keep seeking God. He will deliver you. And that next weekend, I came to church, and that joy was about as real as it can get, and I've been drinking that juice ever since. It's uncontainable. Why? Because Jesus delivered me. It's not fake. It's not manufactured. It is as real as it gets because it came from God. I had to acknowledge it. I had to identify the wound. I had to bring it to Jesus. And he broke the pain of that because that's what he does. He breaks us free. How many of you know I would be a terrible husband, a terrible father, a horrible pastor if, I, if that wound kept cultivating in this ministry, in this church? Look at how it would affect all of us. The scripture talks about strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. That's the reality. It takes one blow to a pastor to demolish a church. 44 years of this church being built up to where we are today, reaching people not only in this, this city, but across the nation and across the nations of the world. We have, a, we have a story that is yet to be fulfilled and we don't wanna waste that. So your health and my health depends on us receiving from Jesus what we need so that this doesn't end, but our children take what we did and they do an even better job. Amen. How many of you know you can't do that? Yeah, okay, come on, we're clapping today. Yeah, but you can't do that if you're su struggling with the past. If you're still living by these dead things that we keep picking up, instead of picking them up and bringing them to Jesus. Number three, we own the sins of our past. We have to own the fact that we have also sinned. We have sinned. We have done things that we shouldn't do. Paul calls them out and says, you need to let go of all this. This is not who you are anymore. But we've got to recognize we are born sinners into a world full of sinners. Did you know that? That's why we got a whole lot of sin going on. It's not just the world, it's us too. I tell my wife this, and you go into the delivery room when your ch children are being born, and there's a female perspective and a male perspective. I can only speak from what I saw. It was kind of like a war zone, but it's just like bloody and <laughs> just lots of pressure. Like as a child, like the, chi like the mother's going through all kinds of stuff, and the father's passed out, and, and the... And the <laughs> you know, or strong, whatever. And, and the child is being forced out and they were swimming along. And then one day, dunk, 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 cone head, they come out. They're still connected, bloody, slimy. And then they get cut, they get slapped and they get wrapped. And it's like, welcome to the world. And that's about right, isn't it? Cut, slapped and wrapped. That's Welcome to the world, sinner. I mean, that's how it is. And we just, oh, you're so cute. You're so, and they are, you know, they are. <laughs> they are, and they grow out of that phase. <laughs> Not so cute now, but my point is, is that with, I mean, I just feel like that's appropriate to how life is going to develop with the sin, all the sin. It just, it just sort of sets you up and, and, and sin gives birth to sin, we get sinned against and we sin back and we justify it. We justify it. And Jesus says, don't sin back. Don't let sin against you produce sin in you. This is the principle. And yet we sometimes don't listen to him, but we've got all kinds of ways to averting sin, don't we? 
getting rid of sin and are, or acting like it's not really, I'm not really sinning. My gossip and my slander and my offense and my bitterness and my jealousy and the stuff coming out of my mouth. It's not, friend, we got to own that so that we can repent of it and live in the new life. You can't live in the new life unless you repent of sin. We've got to repent of sin. Aren't you thankful that we're a church where we talk about repentance of sin? I mean, I could slap you on the back and say everything's going to be okay, but it's not going to be okay if we don't repent of our sin. If we keep blaming our parents and we keep blaming our friends and we keep blaming society and we keep blaming our politicians for the sin that's in us, believe me, we are still living in the past. We are not free at all until we can own the fact that we are reacting to and responding to things that is not the way Jesus would live. We will not be free. Still something else and someone else is telling us what to do and how we should live our life. We're reactors. We can't do that anymore. It's like we've got to have the mirror, the, the heavenly mirror where God shows us where we really are. I, I don't love going to see the doctor. In fact, I'm, I'm not going to see the dentist right now because I got this tooth thing and I keep doing this thing where I'm like, I think it's better. And then today it's like, it's not better today. And then I, and then I go backwards another way. I think it's better. And then it's, and then it's not better. You know what I'm doing? You know what? I, I don't want to go to the dentist. You know why? Because he's going to refer me to the endodontist and they're going to tell me that I need a root canal and I don't want a root canal. <laughs> I just don't. So I'm accountable now to a lot of people, like almost a couple thousand. That was a dumb thing I just did. But anyways... I don't want to be told the truth sometimes, but I need the truth if I'm going to get better. If I'm going to live a new life, I've got to be told the truth and I've got to own the fact that something is wrong. And that's what we have to do with our lives as well. We say, Ben, I got to lay aside the old life. What about the new life? And I have like three minutes to talk to you about that. And I will use every last one of them. We need to put on our new self. That's what he says right here. He says, put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness, holiness, and truth. Put on means choose to be like Jesus. It implies that you and I can. Everybody say choose. Whenever you see in the Bible, put on Christ in Thessalonians, put on Christ in Ephesians 4, put on the armor of God. That's not some like weird way like where we talk to ourselves or we put on the belt of truth and I put on the, it's put on Christ. It's make a decision to surrender today so that we would live like Jesus always did, that today I'm going to live like Jesus. It's making a choice. I'm not going to live in the sins of my past or the label of what people have said I am. I am going to be who Jesus says. It's make a decision. Friend, did you make that decision this morning when you woke up out of bed? I'm going to live in the newness of life. I'm not who I used to be anymore. I don't want to be that person. I'm moving forward with God. We choose that. We've got to choose that every day of our life. If we don't, we will slip back into old things. And then all we can do then is justify. Well, that's not really that bad. And I'm not really sinning. And I'm not really hurting anybody. And that's not. But what we're missing is what God wants out of our life and what Jesus paid for in full. Put on the new self. Put on Christ. Well, how do you do that? You resolve your new identity in Christ. Father, I thank you that I am not who I used to be, that I have been created in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Everybody say all. all. 
I am not who I was. You are not who you were. When the temptation comes, you speak, you pray. I am not who I used to be. If you sin, if you do something that you shouldn't have done that's reminiscent of what you used to be, you just stand up and you say, Lord, forgive me. Father, I thank you that I am not who I used to be anymore. I thank you that my behavior does not dictate my identity, but my identity dictates my behavior from this day forward because that's what you did. Thank you that what you did for me is stronger than whatever sin I've committed or what anybody has done against me. Father, I thank you for that. I am new. You have to resolve that. I have to resolve that. I've got to put a stake in the ground. I'm not who I was. Praise God. The second thing is we have to forgive those that sinned against us. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 15, if you do not forgive the sins of others, you will not be forgiven by your heavenly father. That should shake us. He forgives us and it is because of his forgiveness that we can forgive others. All we're doing is giving away what God has given to us in Christ. He does not ask us to do something without giving us the power to do it. And so every point of obedience still is derived from the strength that he provides. Isn't that amazing? The power is available. The power is available. You just got to plug in. You got to forgive your parents. If that's necessary, you got to forgive your parents. You got to forgive your kids. Some of you, your kids have done some things that aren't right. And you got to forgive them. You got to keep forgiving them. You got to forgive somebody that's wounded you, maybe taken advantage of you. In this room, I bet you there's maybe three out of 10 of us have been taken advantage of when we were young. It's probably higher than that. It runs in our, we've deal, we dealt with it in our family quite a bit. Stories that I can't share with you, things that we've gone through, prayers that we've had to pray, conversations we've had to have, things that we've walked through, healing that we've walked through. Jesus is enough. He's given us healing for those things. I'm standing on a foundation of knowing this to be true, not hoping that it's true. He does this. He heals us. But we've got to forgive. There isn't going to be a healing without a forgiveness. There isn't going to be newness of life without forgiveness. You've got to forgive your spouse. You've got to forgive your friend. You've got to forgive your church. There might be some in this room. God bless you. Listen to me, please. Maybe you have a grievance against this church. I mean, I would love to just do a once and for all, I'm sorry. But most of the grievances that I've heard, I wasn't even here for. I had somebody come up to me in the last service and told me they've been holding on to something in, in our church for six years. And it's hindered them from doing what they wanted to do or what they knew they should do because they have a grievance toward the church. Friend, you know you're living by your past when you can't do what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do because there's something back here that says, because of that, I will not try again. Because of that, I will not serve again. Because of that, I don't know if I wanna be here again. I don't belong. Friend, that is not the voice of God. He doesn't talk to us like that. And we want freedom from our past. We've got to grab that thing by the neck and say, this isn't God. It's not God. And so here we stand and the Lord's got all this stuff for us, but he's like, I want you to forgive. I want you to walk into the light. I want you to receive this and walk in it. I'm not just going to make it happen for you. I want you to do that yourself. But I've made it available for you. We have to repent also from our former sins. Uh, 
Repentance is surrender, not an apology. How many times have we said, Lord, I'm sorry, and we go back and do the same old thing? How do you get free from that? You surrender. You come into the light with other people. The light begins to shine brighter. Some of us need help. That same sin that is causing you that pain and hindering from you from your future. Stop believing. Listen to me, please. Stop believing that you're just going to get over it. You've already proved you can't and you're not. Is Jesus enough? He is, but you need the body of Christ too. And perhaps we are afraid of exposure and judgment, so we don't want to confess to anybody. But are we going to stay in the closet, stuck? Pray that God would show you who you can come into the light with. We've got to be free. Friend, we've got to be free. Free. Jesus said, you'd be free indeed. The truth shall set you free. I believe that we are going to have revival as the freedom of God is released in the church. Let it all come to the light. Lord, let it all come out. Every grievance that we have, every sin that we've committed against each other, every secret that we have, let it come out into the light. Let it come out into the light. Let's deal with it. And then we'll have revival. And then we'll have so much singing and shouting in this room. We'll have to back you guys down to DEFCON 1. You understand what I'm saying? We're praying for the thing that God has already given us the keys for. God, will you do this? He said, I've already done it. I've already told you what you've got to do. I'll close with this. On Thursday, the reason I'm passionately conveying to you this is partially because I'm very invested into it. I pray for all of us. I, I, I pray with a lot of you and we're facing things. Let's just admit it. And, and we were here Thursday as a staff and we were praying and it was powerful and the presence of God was here. And as I stood there, I just sensed this was a weekend of freedom, but we've got to apprehend it. Jesus paid for it, but we've got to lay hold of it. And I had this vision where I saw all these keys on the ground. There were like hundreds of them and they were different sizes and shapes and colors and all of that. And I just instinctively knew that these keys like were to unlock shackles. And I'm, I'm looking out at, at just, you know, people, but I couldn't see faces or anything. And I saw people come forward and they were looking, they were searching for that key because they had a shackle, like maybe it was a, a final shackle to unlock. And as they were searching for the right key for the right lock, they kept finding them. Everybody, as they came forward, they found them. It took a little searching, but they found them and they grabbed it up off the ground and they unlocked themselves. And I realized something as I was watching this vision. I realized that sometimes we wait for God to do everything for us. We say, Lord, set me free. And then we sit there and he says, listen, I've already given you what you need for your freedom. You are free in Jesus' name. There is a key for every lock that tries to bind our life. He has it and it's in his word and he, he accompanies it with the power of his spirit. And that's what revival looks like. And so we pick up the key and we unlock the shackle. True freedom is we pick that key up and we unlock the shackle ourselves because he's already given it to us. He has given it to us already. Pick it up, unlock that shackle. Let it all come into the light. Let's walk in freedom and watch how our destiny starts to get touched and the iniquity starts to exit our homes and our kids can walk in greater than us because of the foundation that we lay. That is my, one of my greatest desires is that my children, Bridget and I's children walk in more than we ever dreamed of. 
I want to build a strong foundation and I want to do it with you. I want to do it with you. We're talking about long-term stuff, but short-term, we can get free, friends. We can get free. We don't have to walk in the same old stuff. We don't. Pastor Ben, how do you know? Because I get to watch people get free all the time. I get to watch people get free all the time. I praise God for that. I praise God for all the testimonies. And even just the last two days as folks were vulnerable and honest and walked up and said, this is what I'm facing. And somebody even confessed something that they haven't told anybody for 25 years. And the next question they had was, what do I do now? And I said to them, don't discount what you just did. You want to know what to do now? I'm telling you, you're going to experience a freedom you've never known just because you're standing here. You confess something that you didn't have the strength or the courage to confess for years, and now God is going to rush in the power of his spirit, and all of a sudden, he's going to unveil things that you didn't even realize you've wanted, you've prayed for, and it's going to start happening. Just, well, what do I do? You already did. Just keep in the light. Stay in the light. Ask God to do for you what you could never do for yourself. You know, we all want to do it, right? We all want to earn it. We all want to be the one that did it. Look what I did. No, look what Jesus did. Let's stop trying to earn it. Let's stop trying to do it ourselves. And let's start surrendering more to Jesus. Let's start surrendering more to Jesus. Would you stand? I have lots of children. We have lots of children downstairs. And that's proof that I need to close. (laughs) <laughs> in 10 minutes, they're going to wonder like, mom, dad, <laughs> we don't want to keep them. We, we, we love them. We want to teach them, but not keep them, you know. Freedom. Freedom. If the Lord said it, I believe that he'll do it. Perhaps you're here today and you um, are listening to whatever I'm saying and you're interpreting it. I'm not sure how, but If you aren't free from your old life, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not forgiven of your sin, or let's just say you're not sure. I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian. I'm not sure. If that's you today, I want you to come up front after the service. And you're saying today, I want to know Jesus. I want to walk with him. I want to be forgiven of sin. I want to be free. Freedom does not come just from one prayer. It comes from surrender. And I don't want to just have you raise your hand right now. I want you to walk up front and I want you to pray with us. That's why I have people do that. I have people walk up front. It takes courage to do that, but it usually sticks when we do it. That's why I'm asking today. If that's you, come up front after the service. And I wanted you to also know that if you need that freedom in your life, you're Ben, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord, but I need one of those keys. I admit it today. If that's you, I'm going to pray, and I'm asking you to agree with me in prayer, and that let the Lord just shine light. Let the Lord come on in with his power and deliver and heal and touch. God will do that today. I believe it because he said it. Would you pray with me right now as we receive from the Lord? If that's you, just receive from God. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord, that you're the great physician, that you're the healer. We thank you, Yeshua, that you are our deliverer. You're the one who sets us free. We thank you, Lord, that even the power of the enemy no longer is anything over us. We cancel his plans. It is null and void. We thank you, Lord, that what you have done is greater. That today, Lord, even now, shackles are hitting the floor. Come on. Keys are being released. 
that you are unlocking those things that have seemingly been locked up. We have been bound, but Lord, we are bound no more in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, that we would receive freedom from our past, and Lord, there would be a baptism of awareness of those things that are trying to tell us what to do, who we are, what we can and cannot do. We say no to that today. We are new in Christ, and we thank you, Lord, for receiving what you have. Somebody came here today, and you're experiencing the trap or the cycle of offense that you are and you have been receiving God's freedom in measure. And you take a step with the Lord, and you have joy, and you have peace, but then somebody offends you or wounds you, and you go back into this cynical, judgmental, offended place. And I want to say to you, the cycle's got to stop. And you need God's help for that to break. But we've got to learn to look in the mirror too. I want to tell you, you're going to get offended. People are not going to treat you the perfect way that you want. This is a perfect church for imperfect people. A person to your right, left, those in your family, these things are going to happen, but you can't let the cycle keep going. You cannot let that cycle keep going. Do not let somebody else have that kind of power in your life. Jesus says, bless those who despitefully use you. Pray for those that come against you. He gives us a better way and another way. We have to submit to his way. If you're in that cycle of offense and you get better and then you get bitter and you get better and you get bitter, God wants you to own that and grab a hold of it. He has freedom for you there. Somebody also there, you have a disappointment with yourself and now it's disappointment with the Lord. This is connected to a lot of things. I saw a picture of you while I was praying. And it's caused you not to make a lot of decisions to move on in your life. The power of disappointment has gripped you and it started with your disappointment in yourself, but it's translated to your relationship with God. I'm telling you, the Lord wants to help you move on. He wants to help you move on and set you free. He sees you and he's gonna bring you all all the way back to that place of disappointment and give you clarity and wisdom and help you to get free. And then finally, I sense this in the last service, but I do feel this is for here as well. You're new to Northwest Church, and we're glad that you're here. There's a couple of you, Um, but you're new to the church, and I sense that um, you came and you have, I don't know who you are, and I've never met you or anything like that, but this is just a, a picture that I had. I sense the Lord was leading you out of discouragement of your previous church experience. And what I mean by that is somehow, in some way, there was something that happened. And I don't think it was like a year ago. Actually, friend, I think it was several years ago. I think it was several years ago. And this thing has continued to plague you as you consider getting involved in a church. And maybe this isn't the place you're gonna put your roots down. That's not my point. But you just feel like at a loss. And I just wanna tell you, the Lord wants to bring you into a new intimacy with him where you experience a freedom. And I saw you reading the Psalms. You were sitting in a chair and you were reading the Psalms and the Psalms were ministering life to you. It was like the honest confession, the ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flows and was touching your life. And so there's something in in the Psalms for you that as you read that, you're gonna experience the Lord's freedom. But I I want you to yield to that. I want you to say, that might be the word for me. I'm gonna start reading the Psalms and receive the freedom of God. I don't know, I said in the last service, but I felt like it was even for this service because I didn't meet that person. But if you're newer to the church last couple weeks or month and the Lord wants to just free you from the past, amen? So Father, we, we pray over that today. We ask, Lord, that you'd break the power of discouragement. 
We pray, Lord, that if we're new to the church, that, that we would be able to do what you want us to do and nothing less. God, I thank you that that person who's here today, they're here today, that they would read the Psalms, Lord, and receive revelation, wisdom, knowledge according to your will. And it would be a catalyst for your new pathway in their life to know you and have intimacy with you and not have to go through the cycles of old. We receive it today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.